Matt. Just make, yeah, I'm on. There we go. Moses. King David. Elijah the prophet. Queen Esther. The prophet Daniel. Anna the prophetess. The apostle Paul. And Jesus. All of these that we read about in scripture had at least one thing in common. All of these individuals fasted. Good morning, everyone. Welcome for those who are joining online. We are in week three of this sermon series titled Advance, Moving Your Spiritual Life to the Next Level. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about some, not this is not an all-inclusive list, but just some spiritual disciplines that help us draw closer to God. James says it this way, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. The NIV says, come near to God and God will come near to you. And I've, I was thinking about that verse this week and I actually did a word study. And, and the word that is translated draw or come, it really doesn't signify the the, the, the intent of the original word. The original word is, is more of a, of a without ceasing, fervent. I see it as an ongoing passion. We as Christians should have this ongoing passion to be closer to God. Fervent. And as we have this ongoing passion, passionate desire to be close to him, he draws close to us. Well, in week one, we we talked about how we are to draw closer to him through the reading of God's word and how God's word is one of the ways that God speaks to us. Last week, we Mark Gardner, the missionary, talked about breakthroughs through worship, that we can draw closer to God through worship. And I'm very excited to close, uh, to close our, our spiritual emphasis week in November on a Sunday night, November 6th, with a, a night of worship. We haven't done that uh, uh, since, since COVID. And, and now, you know, post-COVID, we're, we're going to have a worship night on a Sunday night where we just gather before God. Today we take a look at the spiritual discipline of fasting. Like Hamlet, who pondered the question, to be or not to be, many Christians ponder to fast or not to fast. That is the question. So today is, is more than just, it's not a sermon, it's really a teaching on fasting and uh, that I just want to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my experiences with, with fasting. But first and foremost, we, we need to settle this question, what is fasting? Throughout scripture, fasting is referred to as the abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. The abstaining from food, going without food for spiritual purposes. And fasting is designed so that we may humble ourselves and that we may draw closer to God. 
Where do, we, where do we get that from? Remember when Ezra was about related to lead the second group of exiles back to Jerusalem? There in Babylon, he, before he led that group, he proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God. So fasting is a way that we humble ourselves before God. Paul sa- uh, uh, David says, I put on sackcloth and humble myself with fasting. But not only is fasting designed to humble ourselves, it's designed that we draw closer to God. And fasting is more than just going without food. A lot of times we say, well, we're fasting, we're giving up food. But fasting is designed that we take that time when we would normally eat and spend it before God in prayer. I always say this, fasting is feasting on God. Fasting is feasting on God. Instead of, if you're going to fast that noon hour, you just don't go without lunch, but you take that lunch hour and you devote it to God. You take that supper time, you devote it to God. It's more than just going without food. It's taking that time that you would spend eating and giving it to the Lord. Now, in Scripture... We give examples of how it is and what it's like to fast. And there's many different passages. But, but the one thing that I found so interesting is that we have a great example in the Old Testament of what a 24-hour fast looks like. The Day of Atonement in Leviticus. The 10th day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. In fact, The Jewish people just got done a couple weeks ago celebrating Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And Scripture says, hold a sacred assembly and deny yourself. That means, in the King James, I thought this was so interesting, afflict your souls. Come on, isn't fasting like afflicting your physical body where you deny it food? Afflict your souls and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Now, I want to share with you something every week. Through the study of God's word, I always learn something new. And I'm telling you, I wish I had learned this about 30, 40 years ago. But just this week, it dawned on me. Something taken from this example of what it looks like to fast 24 hours. Usually, on a day of fast, I get up in the morning and I declare it a day of fast. And I'm not going to eat my three meals. And I'm telling you what, around supper time, it becomes hard. And some of you are shaking your head. Especially if dinner time is that time with your family, the time with your spouse. You talk about the, how the day went. You talk about it's just awkward sometimes. And as a, fa- as, a, as a dad growing up, you know, dinner time was we always sat the kids down. We always talked about the day. It was hard that fast because you didn't want, you, you didn't want that meal time to pass. But think about how did the Jewish people fast? Think about this now. They fasted at sundown. So, we think we proclaim a day of fast. We have to do it in the morning. Well, if you're going to do a 24-hour fast, listen to this. Start at 6 o'clock at night. That means at 5 o'clock, you can have dinner. At 6 o'clock, begins your fast where you start to pray. You go to bed. You miss breakfast. You spend some time in prayer. You miss lunch. You spend some time in prayer. At 5 o'clock, you pray for an hour, 
And at 6.01, guess what? Your 24-hour period is up and you can have dinner again. And all of a sudden I said, that's so practical. That would have been so revolutionary if I had learned that 30 years ago that I wouldn't have to sacrifice that special time with my family during a mealtime. And yet it's still being accomplished. So it's just something to think about. Now, in the Bible, there are different types of fasts. And let me just share. I, I, Luke chapter 4, 2, Jesus went out into wilderness, and he did not eat anything for 40 days. Now, I'm not proclaiming a 40-day fast. But what I am proclaiming, that normal fast, it does not say he did not eat or drink and all the gospel. So we're assuming that during that 40 days he did drink. We didn't know Moses. Moses was 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. And that's a supernatural fast. But we're not going to go there. Esther in chapter 4 verse 16. proclaims an absolute fast for three days. Not to take any food or drink. Now let me be very careful about this. You know I'm not advocating you. You go without water for three days. But we do see this example in the Bible. And then there's a partial fast. Partial fast is sometimes you can just decide to fast breakfast. Or you can fast lunch. You can fast a meal. That's a partial fast. Or in the book of Daniel, a Daniel fast is very, uh, 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 how can I say, has gotten a lot of attention these days. A lot of churches at the beginning of the year will proclaim a Daniel fast. Where for three weeks, Daniel says, for three weeks, I will not allow any choice food or wine to touch my lips. And your Daniel fast is like vegetables, fruit, beans, uh, well, things that are good for you. And you ignore any animal product. You eliminate Starches, sugar, yeast, cannolis, chocolate, caffeine. And there's a lot of churches that at the beginning of the year will have a Daniel fast for three weeks. Now there's this age-old question that's been debated throughout centuries. Does Jesus command that his followers fast? Does the Bible command fasting? Well, we see that the Bible does. God does ask for certain days of the year to fast in the Jewish tradition. But does Jesus command fasting? And what I want to do is take two teachings of Jesus and and see what you think. At the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus talks about prayer and teaching his disciples how to pray, he talks about fasting. So between prayer and fasting, there's a link there that that is a connection. And Jesus says, when you fast, he doesn't say, if you fast. He doesn't say, you must fast. But he says, when you fast, it's implying that in their culture, there were certain times when they fasted. So he says, when you fast, it was just assumed, but it was not a thou shalt fast. And remember when the disciples of John came to Jesus and said, 
how come we fast and how, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn when he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom is taken from them and they will fast. So it's implied that Jesus thought that his followers will fast. But is it a requirement? It's implied that Jesus said, my followers will fast. But I think the word command is where we get kind of confused. Never does Jesus say, thou shalt fast. It's implied that his followers will. So does that mean all Christians should fast? Jesus implies it. But let me say this. There are medical conditions. There are medical conditions which people have such as diabetes, or if you're pregnant, or you have another medical condition that keeps you from fasting, I believe the Lord would be pleased with the fact that there's other things you can fast, like maybe the noon hour news, or the good morning show, or the view. Well, we can fast that anyway. Or, (laughs) forgive me, (laughs) that slipped. Or the nightly news. You take that time. And instead of watching the news, you take that time in prayer. If if your medical conditions keep you from fasting. And now, are there spiritual dangers in fasting? Let me give you some of the spiritual dangers that I have observed in fasting. Because there are some spiritual dangers. One is what I called spiritual hypocrisy. The Israelites were complaining to God in Isaiah. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? What was their intention? For self-gain. And listen to how the Lord responds. Yet on the day you fast, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fastings end in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Whoa. Sometimes we fast to make ourselves spiritual, but we don't rid ourselves of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger, and hatred, and really, what good is it? A lot of times we fast to cover up for our spiritual inadequacies, where God says, hey, that's not the type of fast that I'm looking for. Sometimes we equate spirituality with fasting. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, I'm talking to someone and we're talking about a situation and and they'll blurt out, well, I've been fasting about that. Okay, and you're telling me because? Because what does the Bible say? When you fast, do not look somber as hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces. They show men they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward. Listen, now, this doesn't mean that you can't tell anyone. There's really one person you need to tell when you're fasting, and that's the person you're married to. But other than that, 
Why do we need to go around to everybody? Well, I've been fasting about that. Well, if you've been fasting about that, hey, you just received your reward. And Jesus says, but when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it won't be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will what? Come on. He will reward you. Now, through the years, that reward has been misinterpreted that people preach. Well, you fast a few days, you can reach into the deep pockets of God, and he'll give you that new car. He'll give you money for your debt, and he'll give you all the resources you need for the rest of your life. Well, how is it that we think we can manipulate God through fasting? When fasting should really align ourselves up to God's will and not manipulating God for our will to be done. And then the spiritual danger of, well, legalism. Works of the flesh. God's grace is unmerited. We cannot do anything to earn God's favor. It's his grace, unmerited. But a lot of times we look at fasting as a way to, well, if I fast, God will love me more. If I fast, God will be more proud of me. If I fast, God will think of me in a different way. If I fast, I can earn favor. Listen, we are saved by grace, not by works. And I've seen a lot of people sometimes use fasting as a way they think they can so-called get God, you know, on their side. And that's just legalism. I mean, legalism. We've been through those days of legalism. How many women today are sinners because you have slacks on? <laughs> but do you remember the women? <laughs> and all you sinners with makeup. Okay, let's move on here. What's the purpose of fasting? What's the purpose of fasting? The purpose of fasting is it exposes our heart to God. And, and Richard Froster, in, he wrote the book, Celebrate Disciplines, the celebration of disciplines. He wrote, more than any discipline, fasting reveals things that control us. Now, can I get real personal? Why do you eat? Why do you eat? Come on. Why do you eat? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you why I eat. Do you eat for fuel? I tend to eat for comfort. I tend to eat as a way to relieve stress. I tend to eat as a way to escape. And fasting is a way of revealing. It exposes the heart. Heart. I can't tell you how many times I, uh, in January our network proclaimed a fast and they asked ministers to fast for the new year and I decided for every Wednesday in January I was going to fast a noon lunch. 
And I remember one Wednesday coming into church and, and phone call after phone call, difficulties after get problems, and I was just like, ah, I can't wait to go out. I'm going to go out and get some lunch. I'm going to escape all this. And then I realized, whoa, isn't today a day you fast? And it has a way of exposing why you do what you do. It's during fast times. You know, when, when you're just, when you fast, you realize how physically inclined you are. And a lot of times during a fast, God reveals frustrations at work, frustrations in relationships. It, it ha- fasting, I, I can't tell you, it has a way of really exposing what's down in your heart. Let me move on. Expresses our hunger for God himself. Every good empanada and lasagna is a gift from above. Did you know that? Every chicken parm. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the heavenly, father of the heavenly lights. Food is a gift from God. Just like everything else is a gift from God. And we have a tendency to get so focused on all the gifts God has given to us that we forget about the giver. And fasting has a way of eliminating all the good gifts. And you focus on the one who gives those good gifts. I thought about this this week. In fact, I'm going to tell my grandkids, Natalie and Leah, that this year for Christmas, we're going to focus on the giver, and there's going to be no gifts this year. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. (laughs) But we get so self-absorbed in all that God has given to us that fasting is a time when you ignore all those good foods and you focus on the one who's the source of it all and how he must be the main thing of all, the eminence of all. Fasting has to center on God because he gives it all. So what are some of the reasons to fast? Some. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list, but I, I, I took my uh, Strong's Concordance and list all the times fasting, and, I, and, and I, this is what I came up with. Here are some of the reasons. Remember when Jonah went to Nineveh? In three more days, God's going to destroy Nineveh. In three more days. And the Ninevites believed God. They believed the voice of the prophet Jonah. And they declared a fast. A fast, I see in God's word, was an act of repentance. A way that they showed that they were going to turn to God. And then we read, here's an interesting one. I've never thought about fasting for this purpose before. But in 1 Samuel, remember when King Saul died and his sons? It says they took their bones and buried them under the Tarmish tree in Jabesh and they fasted for seven days. So one of the reasons we see people fasted in the Bible was for grieving. Times of mourning. They fasted 
for the bones of Saul and his sons. Nehemiah, when he heard that the walls had not been rebuilt in Jerusalem, he sat down and wept. For some days he mourned and fasted and prayed because his heart was grieved. Man, my heart grieves for America. Maybe we should fast. What are some other reasons? When the Moabites and the Amorites and the Mennonites joined forces and, and had this vast army and they were coming upon Israel, Jehoshaphat was alarmed. Alarmed at this vast army and resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he what? He proclaimed a fast for Judah. And the people of Judah came together they, they, to, to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek help. We fast to see God's deliverance in our life. We seek and fast God for, for, for someone, for, for those who are lost and, and, and need deliverance in their life. And then in Acts, I thought this was interesting. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them to each church. And with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord. Sometimes we fast because we're just in need of guidance. We're in need of help. Remember, we used to sing that song, Blow the trumpets in Zion, when Joel God says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, fasting, weeping, and mourning. We fast for revival. Just some of the reasons why we proclaim a fast, why maybe God is leading you to fast. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. So the question this morning then is, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? We define what fasting is. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Does Jesus command it? No, but it was almost required, expected that his followers would. We took a look at the dangers of fasting, that it's not done out of pride. We're not hypocritical. It's, it's not legalism. It's, it's not legalism where... January 1st, if we proclaim a Daniel fast for, for three weeks, well, we don't look upon down upon those who don't participate. Where do we go from here? We looked at the purposes. My prayer is that in the next few moments, maybe you would just be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit as to how you can implement a fast this week in your life. Not just to fast, but is it going to be a normal fast? Is it going to be a 24-hour fast where you ignore food and just drink water? Will it be an absolute fast? Will it be a partial fast? Are you just going to skip lunch? But then... What's the reason? To fast just to fast. There needs to be a reason. 
Maybe you haven't found yourself as close to the Lord as you want to be. And you're just going to do it as a sign of repentance. Coming back to the Lord. Or maybe you're grieved. Or maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one. And you just need to spend time before the Lord. Or maybe there's a vast army that you feel is at your heels and the enemy is just swooping down on you and you just need deliverance from God. Maybe you're in a season of life where you need of guidance, you need of help. Or, or maybe there's just a deep burden in your heart to see a revival poured out in America. My heart has been Lord, I just want to see your people get closer, nearer, with a burning, consistent passion to be close to you. Whether it's through the reading of your word, whether it's through worship, whether it's through fasting, and next week you're going to learn about prayer. The whole purpose of this whole series is, was designed that we had this burden just for the church to draw closer to God. Would you just bow your heads as Pastor Bonnie leads us in just a few, two songs. And would you just, maybe, maybe you want to stand, change your position. Maybe you want to come to this altar. Maybe you just want to turn and, and kneel in your seat. But could you just ask the Holy Spirit how do you want me to implement fasting this week in my life? Is it an absolute, a normal, or partial? And Lord, what is it that you're grieving my heart as to why I just need to fast and feast on God? What's the purpose? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.